1: That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss
2: Action Park Media.
3: Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment, food as sport, food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today's guest is Beachbody super trainer, podcaster, author... Autumn Calabrese. I'm excited to talk to her today about her mission, which is to help people attain their best, happiest, healthiest body without restrictions or deprivation. You can find her on Instagram at Autumn Calabrese. Autumn Calabrese, welcome to the American Glutton podcast.
4: Hello, thank you for having me on.
3: Autumn, I love what you do. Um, I have found that in the sphere of health and fitness. And, and and I will say this, not super judgmental of others necessarily too, because I, when I was going through it, I just wanted an answer, like, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And if you give me even a little bit of BS that convinces me, then I'll buy into it. And if I believe it, I'll, I'll go 100%. And I did that time and again. So the fact that you are giving stuff that isn't necessarily like the food is the problem. If you just excise lectins from your body, I think you're one of these rare people that is using a scientific approach to really help change lives.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Um, gosh, you know, for me, it's the same thing. I've while I didn't personally experience, um, Um, a big weight loss in my life. There was a time in my life where I struggled with my weight. Uh, I was a competitive dancer. I went through the puberty weight. Uh, I was uncomfortable about it. The other girls were smaller than I was. And I didn't understand. I just didn't know. I was Italian. I grew up Italian. I grew up eating pizza and pasta and subs and New York style cheesecake. And as a young kid, I was super active. So there never was an issue. And then all of a sudden I wasn't as active and I did gain weight. And while it wasn't a big amount, it was uncomfortable on my body. And I didn't really have anybody to teach me. So for me, it was a learning experience over the years, over the course of many years, probably about 12 to 15-ish years, I would say, of really like trying to figure out what it was supposed to be. And um, I tried to do Atkins once and I thought I was gonna lose my mind, literally. (laughs) I think I made it like three days. Um, So I wanted, I always wanted to give people an approach. Like once I figured it out and I was like, this is not as complicated as we're making it. Like you just eat real food. Like it's not that hard. And I I say that with a little bit of a chuckle because I know it is harder than that, especially with all the options that are in front of us that it's hard to make the healthiest choice sometimes. But I just wanted people to understand like, you don't have to give up all these foods that you love. You don't have to necessarily give up the cheesecake, but maybe we don't eat the huge slice that they serve us. Or you don't have to give up the pizza, but maybe we don't eat the whole pizza, things like that. And hey, maybe we get some vegetables and some fruit in there and find a little bit of balance with what we're eating instead of overeating on one thing and completely undereating on another. And for me, it's not been about teaching weight loss I know there's a lot of people out there that are like do this for weight loss and I'm what I like to say is do this for health and the weight loss will happen if like if you need to lose weight your body will lose weight if you're feeding it the way you're supposed to without you know you don't have to do crazy restrictive things
3: yeah it 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 also is somewhat for a person who's done who's been in the diet universe as a, as on one side of it, just experiencing diet after diet after diet to come into the universe of like healthy portions, to be completely frank with you, they were much larger than any portions I ever ate on a diet. And so when I switched from only chicken thighs to chicken breasts for a while, It's like three times more food. So you get this incredible volume of food that doesn't actually seem diet-like. I actually have uh, one professional bodybuilder who I talk with about stuff and he helped me for a photo shoot, like do a really proper like bodybuilding cut for this photo shoot. And towards the end, he was like, are you okay? Are you starving? And I was like, dude, this is so much more then I'm used that like, I cannot believe you're calling this a diet. Like it doesn't, it's it's mind boggling because I'm used to a diet is like you're thoroughly miserable all the time. And it doesn't have to be that.
4: That's one of the biggest things I always hear from people when they start my nutrition program, when they start Ultimate Portion Fix. So you get color coded containers and they're different sizes based on the food group so that you understand how much protein or how much carbs or how many veggies or fruit. And people will look at the containers at first and they go, oh my gosh, I'm gonna starve. And I'm like, I promise you're not. And then within a day or two, I'm usually getting messages of, hey, it's a lot of food, do I have to eat it all? And I'm like, yeah, you have to eat it all. It's nutrient dense food, so you do get more of it. And that's something I learned when I was a fitness competitor. Um, I remember being backstage with all the girls and they were all like just withered and so hungry. They were so hungry and I was eating steak and potatoes every two hours to the point where I was like, if I have to eat one more steak or one more potato, I'm going to puke. Like, I don't want any more food. And these girls were looking at me. They were like, I'm on 800 calories a day. I was like, I'm on 2200 (laughs) and they were like, what? I was like, yeah, I ate my way down in weight but when you do it right, and when you do it with the right macros and like you mentioned a proper cutting schedule to take the stage. starvation is the last thing you need or really want when you got to get up there and pose and heels. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. And, but the the other thing that's so genius about what you're doing is like, I, I did uh, count calories for a long time. I don't do that anymore because I've kind of just know now what is what I know what a meal looks like and that's what I eat. And I know like, okay, when I'm cutting I I, when I'm cutting I actually just measure my carbs that's like the only thing but I spent a year writing everything down then somebody was like hey there's an app uh, my fitness pal that you can just type stuff and I was like oh my god and that saved my life but that's not for everyone not everyone that's not going to work for everyone so I think it's really genius that you have these things so it's just like fill this with this kind of food you're good you know I think that's really smart Thank you. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's been fun to watch people use it. Over the years, I feel like with the way our culture has become, with everything being like supersized and oversized and family size, you'd be hard pressed. Like unless somebody has really paid attention and is on a health and wellness journey, most people don't know what a normal portion size looks like on their plate. And one of the biggest things I teach is like, use the containers, you guys, like Use them, fill them and then put them on a plate so that you start to learn what it looks like, what an actual meal, what a serving size looks like on a plate so that if you're out at a restaurant you don't have to pull Tupperware out of your bag or your purse, you just know what it looks like on the plate. It's really important that we retrain ourselves to not think that it has to be this monstrous size.
3: Yeah, but the, and and as far as yes, it, I have I have definitely taken a thing of Tupperware out at a restaurant and embarrassed the crap out of my children. But the the fact that you're also encouraging meal prep, that's a big part of it, and creating a situation where their food is now transportable, it, it is a. I, I just think it's an awesome thing that can really solve a bunch of problems, certainly problems that I was facing at points that I didn't figure out efficiently for myself and and wasted a lot of time and effort on like, you know, throwing a piece of salmon in a Ziploc bag and carrying it around in my backpack. You know what I mean? Like I've done that. Um, uh, and I, I have meal prep figured out, but it's really when you look outside and you realize that you can get, you know, 5,000 calories for $5 while you're getting gas, it becomes a tricky world to navigate.
4: Yeah. Meal prep, I think is one of the things that is the most important and the most intimidating to people. Like if you're not prepared, I say all the time, being prepared isn't half the battle. It is the battle. If your refrigerator is not stocked, if you haven't cooked off something right i'm not saying like i personally don't cook all my meals ahead of time i don't know what i'm going to be in the mood for but there's always stuff in the fridge that i can grab if i am in a hurry
3: don't go anywhere we'll be right back
4: Even if, um, like, even today, I was rushing to jump onto this podcast and I had some um, red potatoes that I cooked for dinner last night. And I grabbed them out and I, you know, put them in my little yellow container for carbs. And I ate them really fast before we came on because I was like, my brain fog is setting in. I need, I need a little carb action happening. It had been a couple hours. Um, So being prepared, like that is huge. And so many people always say things like, I don't have time for it, or I don't know how to do it. Or you look at Instagram and see all these like accounts, like meal prep master and things like that. And you feel like if you don't prep like that, that you're doing it wrong. And really what I say is just, just stock the fridge, right? Like have fruit on hand that you can grab, have veggies on hand that you don't mind maybe eating raw. Maybe you have some hard boiled eggs, or maybe you have some chicken that you've cooked off. Like You can turn that into a bunch of different meals as you go throughout the day, but if it's not there, then of course you're going to end up grabbing something at the gas station, going through the drive through, or just not eating for a really long period of time. And then when the next meal comes around, end up overeating because you're so hungry, you just eat eat, eat as fast as you can before you even realize that you're full.
3: Yeah, it seems very counterintuitive, but... I, I think that the the time that I'm most apprehensive about getting hungry is when I'm on it when I'm cutting or when I'm on a diet because I will make bad decisions if mm. I'm hungry or over hungry or whatever that means. You know, you think of if somebody is interested in weight loss, the idea that they'll never be hungry. First of all, I think we as Americans could all be twice as hungry as we are, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. But when I go too long without eating and then I go to the store or I go too long without eating and then I go to cook a meal it it just is never as successful as if I if I'm ahead of that hunger curve
4: yeah there's like that getting to the point where you know like okay it's getting it's about time to eat and then there's the ravenous starving the headache is kicking in and your blood sugar is probably dropped so low that the cravings have kicked in and that's something that happens a lot. We let our blood sugar drop and then your body's going, okay, I need a readily available energy source that comes from sugar. So what do you do? You start craving something sweet. Well, are you going to really take the time to cook like chicken or, or, or salmon and, and asparagus when you're starving? No, because the craving has kicked in. Your body is already telling you it needs fuel right now. You've waited too long. So... It is, I'll use the word that makes your skin crawl a little bit, mindfulness, yes. um, having some mindfulness of knowing what your body needs. So I could tell you for me, two and a half to three hours is the sweet spot. And if you take me much past three hours, it, get, it goes ugly really fast. Like if you ask my ex-husband, who we're still friends, but he would joke about like needing to carry a like Snickers bar in the glove box because he never full, he's, his body is different than mine. He could go hours without eating. And I would be like, Hey, I'm hungry. Like, can we get lunch? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just run five errands first. So by the time we got to the restaurant, I'd be a lunatic. I'd be so hungry that I'd be so angry because <laughs> I, I couldn't control it. My blood sugar dropped. It was too late.
3: Yeah. How did you come to this? Is this a, is this something you studied? Is this something you just intuited? What what brought you to this?
4: A little bit of both. Um, I have very much, the, the thing with needing to eat every two and a half to three hours, that's been with me since I was a kid. Like even my parents will joke, like if they called me at college and I was crabby, they'd be like, do you need to eat? And I'd, inevitably I always did. And I was like, yes. And they're like, yeah, call me back after you ate, like you'll be a different person. So I did learn that fairly young more so because people would point it out to me that when I was hungry, I was crabby and I needed to, my blood sugar was dropping. Um, And then also throughout the years of studying and learning and, and just realizing what happens to our body when we go too long without energy and why do the cravings kick in? Oh, our body is looking for an energy source, things like that. So it's been a little bit of both over the years of intuitive and learning, studying.
3: Yeah. Um, do you, what you talk to people about, you basically, I think when I look at your kind of curriculum, if I can call it curriculum, sure. it's almost more that you want to sort out lifestyle. You know, you hear that word a lot too, um, lifestyle change uh, in the weight loss industry. This is a word I did not understand until kind of recently because I always thought, like, well, a diet is a lifestyle change, but not really. It's a momentary change, right? And so when I look at what you're doing, it almost seems that you're first trying to get people to instinctively. Change their lifestyle almost without even addressing weight loss. Um, And then weight loss as a byproduct of that. Is that true?
4: Yeah. Because what I really aim to teach first and foremost is our health is, is stop looking at it as weight loss, because that's where people get discouraged too. That's where they start living and dying by the scale, right? Oh, the number didn't go down fast enough. The number on the scale doesn't say what I want it to say. So I guess I'm not good enough or I'm not doing good enough. And my, my goal is to get people to change the way they think about all of this, about what do I need to put in my body that's going to be the best for my body. When I say, when I say lifestyle, to me, that means it has to be something sustainable, something that I can do for life in any situation. So if I'm on vacation, I need to be able to maintain the way I eat and still enjoy my vacation. If I'm just, um, you know, if I'm going out for my birthday, I need to be able to not feel like, oh my gosh, if I have a piece of cake or a cocktail that I've ruined everything. So that to me is the difference between like lifestyle and diet. Even when people talk to me about um, keto or intermittent fasting, I think keto, when it's used for what it was designed for, which for, is for medical reasons, great. Keto for weight loss, mm, I don't love it because you're just eliminating food groups and things, you know, we need fruit, grains are not bad for us. So I aim to teach that. I aim to teach, like, let the weight loss, yes, be the byproduct of eating healthy and taking care of yourself because you need to do something that you can sustain or you will forever be on that yo-yo
3: don't go anywhere we'll be right back It's such an interesting approach because it is the hardest thing I have found. Like I can suffer for any period of time. I mean, obviously not forever, but I can suffer for months, really severely suffer. But then there is that day when I cannot suffer anymore. And then not having the tools to maintain everything I suffered for. So I do think it's really interesting to go like, hey, we're addressing lifestyle from the start, that's it. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's pr- actually pretty radical. It's not what I think diets are doing. And I, I like that you're not calling it a diet, that's cool. Um,
4: it's interesting that you use the word suffer, right? You said you could suffer for any period of time but we shouldn't have to suffer for our health. Like being healthy shouldn't be be something we endure. Yeah, It, It should feel really good. Like being healthy is what should feel good and eating like crap if you can acknowledge it is actually what feels bad. But we are not very in tune, I don't think anymore. We don't recognize that my headache or my brain fog or, my bloating and gas like we don't recognize that that's coming a lot of times from the food choices that we're making so yeah the suffer part shouldn't be there at all
3: yeah no i know i guess when when we talk about health i don't think about health that much i mean i i think about it more now than i did certainly then 20 years ago um but health was not my driving motivation. So my driving motivation was uh, going on hikes, being comfortable at the beach, Um, imagining a day that I didn't have to check to make sure a chair wasn't gonna collapse if I sat on it, you know, um, not holding my breath in an elevator. These were the things that I wanted to change and then I almost got health as a byproduct of that. And now that I've become healthy, it's something I kind of go like, "Ooh, this is a fun metric to use." I'm gonna get really good at health. Um, so, but I just wonder if if somebody doesn't have the goal of health, how do we? How do we? What's the way to say like, "Hey, the thing that you're gonna to have to learn." if you want this for long-term is this lifestyle thing, you know, that's like the whole game. In my opinion, I I will say that. I believe that truly. Yeah.
4: It's well, here's the thing. So I honestly don't think most people's goal is health. There are some people, there are some people that a doctor has given them a, Hey, you're pre-diabetic or, Hey, you're dealing with a lifestyle disease. So you need to change the way you're eating and and exercising because of this disease. But I think most people, like if we're being really honest, right? It's usually about weight. It's usually about an aesthetic. I want a six pack. I want thinner thighs. I don't want my tricep to wave like a bat arm, right? Like there's usually an aesthetic thing. And while all of that is great, my issue with it is this, is that that is not what will usually keep you going. on a really bad day. The things you said, I do, I think those are very strong, what I refer to as your why, like finding your why, Um, feeling comfortable at the beach, being able to take hikes with your wife, like those will keep you going on a hard day, right? But I want a six-pack on the hard day. What are you going to say? You're going to be like, I don't care about the six-pack. I'm going to eat the junk food, right? So That's why I'm trying to get people to make that mental shift of make it about health. Like if you can stop and think about what your insides would look like, look like when you're really unhealthy or what they look like when you are healthy or how you feel when you're unhealthy compared to how you feel when you are healthy with the tired and the aches and the pains and, and, you know, not having mental clarity or just the emotional beating we give to ourselves when we don't like what we see in the mirror, right? That's not healthy. So when I try to get people to shift over to this mindset of make it about health, it's because it's, it's deeper than the aesthetics. And hopefully it will, it's not an easy thing and it does take a lot of time, but if you can get there, it usually will keep you going longer than the aesthetics because I've also seen people get to the point where they hit their goal weight and they have the six pack and the first thing they do to celebrate it is go pig out they go do the exact opposite of what got them there and I'm like what are we doing
3: yeah okay well this is a great point um that I think we should talk about that I think will be really interesting to people um I kind of regret that my why is tied up in another person i can't deny it 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 is that's what happens that's what you know i don't know that my wife is what keeps me going today but i suspect she is a big part of it um certainly not something we talk about she really doesn't care her um her investment is in my happiness truly um So I, because I'm torn, because I think I want people to be able to do this. Like, how do you, what, what, what's the, is there a formula for finding the why? What, what? A little yes and no.
4: And first of all, I don't think there's anything, your why and and tying it up in your wife, I feel like that would, that's a positive person for it to be tied to when it's tied to another person for a negative reason, that's when I think it's dangerous and bad. Like when it's revenge motivated, when it's this person hurt me, so let me show them. Look, does it work? A lot of times, yes it does because sometimes that's the spark that people need. And if it ends up getting them going, hopefully eventually they can let it go and continue on it on that path because of other reasons and deeper whys and health and things like that. But when it comes to like, is there a formula? I tell people to to brainstorm on a piece of paper, why do I wanna lose weight? And answer that question. Okay, let's say it starts with, I wanna lose weight so I fit better in my clothes. And you ask yourself, why again? Why do I wanna fit better in my clothes? Because I'm uncomfortable. With the way i look why because i feel like people are judging me why because they've said there you know you keep going deeper you just keep asking you answer your own question and then you ask the word why again until you go deep enough that usually if you go deep enough it will eventually turn off of the the other person in the outside and it'll be i'm not happy. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I don't want photos taken of me. Um, because, you know, it starts to get the focus eventually gets turned away from the outside and it starts to get turned in. And that's when you can use that to help keep you motivated on the hard days.
3: I mean, that sounds like a great formula. I mean, it sounds like an amazing exercise. I plan on doing it as soon as we're done with this. Oh, the, the why. I also think, Um, I want to uh, 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 make an addendment to um, what I said. I don't think it's just my wife. I think that I had for, I experienced for the first time some sense of self-worth that she helped me find. So, you know, I still do believe that it is me. It's, you know what I mean? She's not feeding me, obviously.
4: And that's beautiful. Like that's, that's not a horror, like that's a beautiful thing to say you were maybe in a different place and, and she helped you find that self-worth. That's, that's amazing. That's a great why.
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to ask you also about your 21 day thing. Will you talk about that?
4: Yeah. So 21 Day Fix was my original fitness program with Beachbody, the first ever program I ever put out with them. And it was fitness and nutrition combined. So it's 21 days of working out and it combined what is now referred to as Ultimate Portion Fix, my nutrition program. But at the time, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, they were one and the same. They were combined. So it was like, and it was really designed for people that had not been as active, that people that had a significant more amount weight to lose um, that did struggle with what to eat and how to eat. So it was uh, simple fitness, simple nutrition, fast results. That was the tagline, or that is the tagline of 21 day fix. Simple fitness, simple nutrition, fast results. And um, the workouts are 30 minutes long. Really, my goal with that was to design workouts that anybody could do, whether you've been working out your whole life or you hadn't worked out ever. And what I mean by that, I don't mean it won't be challenging. It's definitely going to challenge you. Like It's designed to push you. But it's not super complicated movements where if you don't know how to weight lift, you're not going to be safe doing it. There's a modifier in the program so that If you need to modify something down, make it a little bit easier. You have that person to follow. And then it does, it, it came with my color coded containers and it was, here are these six different color coded containers. They each represent a different food group. They're a different size because it's going to help you portion control your food and have balance with your macronutrients. And so it's, uh, it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. And, um, that's it. You're going to you're going to see how many times a day you get to fill these containers and there's food lists, so there's long lists. Here's a big list of protein you can eat. Here's a big list of vegetables you can eat. Um, have your pick. And that's how it started really. Like that's that's where it all started, but the more people did it, that program was a monster success for Beach Body. We sold in the first week what they predicted to sell in the first 3 months and we were sold out within within the first month we were sold out and on back order for several months, wow. uh, which was crazy. And it has continued to grow and over the years, there were more and more questions that came up about the nutrition. Well, how do I use the containers if I wanna make a recipe? Um, and that's where the first cookbook came from and then the cooking show with my brother and then the second cookbook and eventually a, an actual course about ultimate portion fix. And it's funny cause I say, I say to my team all the time, I say, sometimes I think that when people see that there's a course, it makes it sound like it's more complicated than it is because really it's like, here's these containers, fill them up and eat. Like the, if you strip it right back down to the basics, that's what it is. But people have wanted to go further. They want to know, well, why do I need these macros? Why do we reduce the amount of processed foods? What is, how does sugar impact my body? um what do i do if i'm vegan what do i do if i'm vegetarian so over the years there's been a lot that has been developed into the plan
3: i think it, yeah questions. yeah i think it's a great thing to have a course on the more i the more i understand how all this stuff works the more comfortable i am existing within the those boundaries you know what i mean so oh, yeah exactly Um, And I also think it's fantastic to create something that kind of circumvents counting calories, because that's not for everyone. The idea of, you know, I know there's different apps that you can do it with now. um, But some of my favorite doctors talk about the importance of calorie balance and that you don't have to count them. It's not a necessary step. So I had no idea what food looked like with, I, you know, portions until I sat down and counted them all. I probably would have been very successful using your, your products.
4: Right. Well, it's interesting too, because the more we learn, the more we know that it's weight loss, help all of it. It's not just about calories, right? It's We used to say it's calories in versus calories out, but that's really loose these days because you can eat a bunch of unhealthy calories, right? You can eat 1200 unhealthy calories and it's still unhealthy calories. Like you might lose weight if you're at enough of a deficit but it's probably not gonna last very long. You're probably gonna end up hungry because you're not getting enough food. If if you're eating 1200 calories of Oreos that can happen pretty quick, right? And if you're like, oh, that's it. I got 1200 calories for the day, I ate them in Oreos. You're gonna starve the rest of the day. Um, so that's part of why I really wanted to make it about this balance of macronutrients because we see people sometimes overeating on the protein, right? They just eat so much protein or overeating on the carbohydrates, but not getting any fruits or vegetables in or, um, not getting in enough fat or too much fat or the wrong fat. It it can, when you start to look at it like that, it can get really confusing. So I just wanted it to be this really simple way to say, you don't have to count calories because also- it, that's not the easiest thing. Like it's only been what maybe within the last 10 years that restaurants have had to put calorie and nutrition information on there. So if you went out to eat, you didn't know how many calories you were even getting. That's a little bit of where my program started. I, I took one of my clients out for lunch and we ordered salads. You live here in LA, so you know, California chicken cafe and uh, the salads are enormous. And she ate the whole thing. And she had been struggling with weight loss. And I looked at her and I was like, that's our problem right there. And she's like, why? It's a salad. And I was like, no, that's a salad for four at least. Right. And pulled out the menu and it was like a 17 or 1800 calorie salad. And I was like, well, that's everything for the day. And we're only at lunch. Like, and I'm sure you had breakfast. So, yeah. um, so calories are a part of it, but. We've got to make sure we're getting the right calories and that we're getting a balance of, of everything.
3: Um. Yeah, I, I did um, read about a, a bodybuilder who, and I think it was in order to prove a point, went and did a caloric deficit diet, but I think he could only eat at like a, a 7-Eleven or something like that. And he, and he lost weight, but he felt like shit. He lost muscle mass. He wasn't able to work out. Like there were a lot of issues. Um, <clears throat> I, I personally don't like to say something is bad or good. I just know how I, it's going to affect me. And it might not be something, it might not be the way I want it to. What, you know, I, I really do try to think of all this stuff as fuel and, and each different thing services a different function in my body. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Alright, I'll do Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com switch.
4: Upfront payment of forty five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty P. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chat bot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical
3: But again, I had no idea what a portion was. I spent so long doing these really, really strict diets that by the time I did count calories, I was shocked at the volume of food I got when it was fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and, and carbohydrates that weren't, you know, the other thing that I had a fear when I reintroduced carbohydrates into my system, I thought I was going to be like a junkie, like give me a cup of rice. Well, I won't be able to stop. I'll go to the pot and eat the whole thing. But come to find out that if you don't cover it in like sweet sauce or oil, it's not that it's not something you want to eat forever.
4: Not that exciting.
3: Right. It's just, okay, I need my carbs. I'm going to get them here and then I'm going to be done.
4: Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting because you said about, I, I have a lot of people that will come to my nutrition program after having eliminated carbs in one format or another and they are deathly afraid of inter- not and well not even just rice they're afraid of eating fruit um they're like oh my god it's sugar it's so bad and i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa we have to look at it again in different ways are we talking about fruit juice yeah you're right fruit juice is not going to be ideal because it's gonna spike your blood sugar and there's not fiber to help balance it out because you're just getting the juice and you're not getting the skin and things like that. So that's where the teaching comes into play and explaining to people so they can understand, again, how it's going to affect their body. Um, But a lot of people, I do like to say this, if you've cut carbs out for a significant period of time, you should probably be prepared that when you introduce them back in, you will probably gain a little bit of weight first that's normal because your body hasn't had it for so long. It's like a new thing and it gets really excited about this new thing. And it kind of wants to hold on to it because it hasn't had it. And it's like, am I gonna get it again? As long as you stay with it and you stay with it in a proper portion and you don't overdo it, that that little bit of weight that you gain at the beginning will come back off if your goal is weight loss, obviously. Um,
3: Yes, and we should say for the record, that's not fat, it's water.
4: Yes, exactly. Yes. You're eating the carbs. You're getting glycogen. Glycogen helps with water in the muscle. So you will have some water weight, unless again, you're smothering it in oils and sauces, in which case maybe it's a little fat, but if you're clean, it should be okay.
3: Yeah. That was the scariest thing. I went from not having carbs for, for years to like, okay, I'm going to try something all new because I want to retain muscle or all my muscle, or as much as I can. And I had like three pounds, I think I had nine pounds increased total over three days. And I was like, am I gonna keep doing this and gain 30 pounds? This is crazy. And then day four, it started to come off. And then it was all gone within a week. Um, But yes, it it is a terrifying prospect. I think the great thing about a course too, is anybody who's been dieting for a while has a lot of conflicting data floating around in their head. You know what I mean? It's not always the easiest thing. If you've taken the leap of faith that keto is the diet or, uh, you know, you watch Game Changers and now you believe that you have to be a vegetarian to, to be healthy, like, these are things that you can buy into that it's hard to just unwind it. It is, it, it, you know, we, we get these ideas and then, I mean, my wife, killed lectins in our house. We were not allowed to eat cucumber skin for a long time. And I was just finally like, I, this was not harming me. I'm not playing this game anymore, you know?
4: It's, uh, it's interesting. And I do want to point out to people that that happens to everybody, including myself. You mentioned the movie Game Changers, the documentary. And I watched that, what was it, maybe a year ago. And, uh, and I remember I was like watching it before I went to bed one night and I was laying there and I was like, damn it, really? should probably try to go vegan again. But I can tell you, I've tried to be vegan several times in my life. For me personally, it doesn't work. I go protein deficient very quickly. And unfortunately, I have food sensitivities to a lot of legumes. So uh, lentils and beans and nuts, I have a really hard time with them. So I I remember laying there like in my bed and, and having this battle in my mind of oh my God, I just watched this and I should maybe do this because I'm not being the healthiest if I'm eating animal protein and da And then I was like, okay, Autumn, you got to breathe. You know better. Like it's different for everybody that works for them, but you don't eat an excessive amount of animal protein. You get your vet, like everything's in balance. It's going to be okay. But it does happen to people where you watch something, you learn something, you try something. And there is so much conflicting information out there that it's really hard to decipher. And the one thing I tell people is if you're going to do a plan, do the plan and only that plan. So like when people come to do ultimate portion fix, I'm like, okay, but you have to do ultimate portion fix. This is not how does intermittent fasting fit into ultimate portion fix, or how does keto fit in, or how does you know all these other crazy things fit in. If you're going to do it, you got to follow it the way it is. So that you can truly see if it works for you or if it doesn't work for you. But if you're sort of dipping one toe in over here and one toe in over there, it's really hard to know what part is working and what part isn't working.
3: Yeah. Well, this is another thing I I admire so much with you is just the, the idea that you're not bludgeoning people over the head with this is it. This is the only way to do it. If you're not doing this, you're gonna fail for all these reasons and these, you know, obscure scientific, non-research, non-data, you know, uh, tests that we can bring up. It's it's very refreshing. I gotta say, um, I'm super interested in people and their perception of problems and also solutions, possible solutions. Um, I'm quite often less interested in this is the only way because I don't think there is only one way for everyone Um, but at the same time it's diet so there's like no military backing this it's totally safe to talk about if somebody wants to say no you have to cut out lectins I'll listen to that but I am I think it's I think it's pretty awesome what you're doing
4: look I've read the Dr. Gundry books too and I went down the rabbit hole of do I need to cut out lectins and it's a part of the learning process, right? You, like if you're going to learn, if I'm going to try to speak somewhat educated in this field, then I have to I have to pay attention to it all. I want to learn it all. I want to try to decipher what I feel is going to work best for me first. And then I just try to give my opinion and I hope people understand that it, that's what it is. I, I, I don't believe that just one thing works for everybody. I've said that all the time, that if ultimate portion fix works for you that's fabulous and if it's not for you i get it it's it's not going to like it's not going to be for everybody just like i have 11 workout programs if one workout was going to work for everybody i'd have one workout program and that would be it and everybody would use it so it is really important to know that what works for one doesn't always work for everybody else and that what worked for you once might not be what works for you forever or, you know, several years later, right? You might do it one way and then find that a few years later, like, Hey, this just doesn't work for me. Our bodies are always changing. Our hormones are changing. Our environment is changing. Our activity level is changing. It all changes. And so we have to be um, flexible a little bit with our thinking. And that is one thing that I'm noticing these days is I feel like people are becoming more and more rigid like yeah. they, they take this stance and man, that yeah. is.
3: I mean, have you been kind of in awe by like how we have almost battling factions of vegans versus carnivores? Is that not wild to you? Yes, it is. I mean, the I, I couldn't believe it. I've known vegans um, basically my whole life. And, and for the most part, it was moral reasons, which I completely understand. Um, when it became dogmatically health reasons, I was a little bit like, I don't know, this, this is not totally convincing me. And then at the same time, this keto has seemed to have taken a step further. And I'm just like, I, you know. I've been an extreme person. I am more successful with moderation than with being extreme. But that is just me personally. If somebody's doing either of those things and they're working, I think that's great. I just think they shouldn't be presented as the absolute,
4: right, the end all be all. Yeah, and it's actually quite interesting too because a lot of times um, the in the middle, the moderation is the thing. Like like people almost think if you if yours isn't extreme then it must not work. I can't possibly be allowed to have pizza and wine and lose weight. You're out of your mind. So it's it's interesting to see like, yes, how the perspectives are about like each camp and the, the just the sticking points on it where the, like nobody wants to budge or, or open their mind to, this works for me and it might work for you, but maybe you have to modify it a little bit so it works for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, yes. And it sounds like within your program, there is room to figure that out.
4: Yeah, there is, there's room for a lot of it. I'll say that, like you can be vegan, you can be vegetarian, you can be paleo, you'll figure it all out. Um, The two that don't fit in with my teaching is intermittent fasting and keto. And I'll I'll explain it really quick. So keto doesn't fit in because obviously, I think we need our macros and we need them in balance. So I don't eliminate anything unless you have a medical reason to. So we eat fruit and we eat carbs. Um, intermittent fasting. I tell people to eat every two and a half to three hours-ish because we talked about this earlier about you know how your blood sugar can drop and you end up overeating at one meal. And um, I also just think it's a really hard nutritional theory to follow that if you're putting all your food in this one sort of window of time what happens the rest of the like if if you become hungry later on in the day or if you go out to dinner with your friends and it's past the window when you can eat um I I feel like it's hard for people to stick with that not that people can't there's plenty of people that do it that have success and that's great and power, more power to them. I'm just, when people ask me about it, I just say, I think it's one of the harder ones to follow and feel successful with.
3: Yeah. I, I have, um, one friend who has done long-term intermittent fasting and he's been successful and he's really happy with it. Uh, I have another friend who said they were going to try it because they wanted to be able to eat and overeat. Um, pizza and fried chicken and burgers and stuff. But if it's in a small window, it's okay. And they were not successful. My friend who has been successful, lost a lot of weight, is much healthier, is very happy, started out thinking he could eat whatever he wanted in this window, and eventually learned that that's not true, and is still restricting calories. I don't think he's actively counting calories, but he's restricting food within that window. So, you know, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I haven't read intermittent fasting books. I don't, I think that if people are having success with them, that's awesome. Um, I know there are people that I don't personally know who swear by it, uh, but the people I actually know have come to the same situation where you just can't eat as much as you think you can.
4: Yeah, I have a few friends that do it and that are very successful and have been successful long term. And I think it takes a very specific personality type, also, to be very, um, I guess, regulated with it. Right. And and I try to walk a fine line because you know people get so judgy, and I don't want to come off judgy. But um, I I feel like you can't eat everything and anything you want in that window. And a lot of times the biggest reason people are doing it is for the, I'm giving my digestion a break, right? It's not as taxing, but if you overeat within that window, aren't you just making your digestion work harder within that window? So it's going to take longer because you just put a whole lot of food in, in a short amount of time. Whereas if you gave it smaller amounts, just little by little, it shouldn't really be overworking that hard. And then you go to bed and you sleep for eight or nine hours and your digestion has it chance to rest
3: right we all are taking some kind of a break from eating
4: we should be yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: okay.
4: you go should get a good you should get a good 10 hours at least because unless you're literally eating and then going right to bed but you know if you have dinner at seven and you don't go to bed till 10 there's three hours three hours right there and if you get seven-ish hours of sleep that's 10 hours without food. And most people are not like me and they don't wake up and eat the second they wake up. I do. I eat within about 15 minutes of waking up, but most people don't.
3: Right. So, you know, but yeah, you could backdoor your way into an easy 12 hour window without even trying too hard. Yeah. I think I might be an intermittent faster after all. (laughs)
4: if you look at it like that maybe we all are i might i might i think i get a good 10 to 11 hours without food
3: yeah i'm good i want to eat. autumn thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate talking to you
4: oh my gosh this has been so much fun thank you for having me on
3: yeah all right talk soon
4: okay sounds good bye bye
3: don't go anywhere we'll be right back
2: And now for the Q&A. I have a fun question for you from Tim. Let's
3: see how fun it is, Paige.
2: What music do you listen to when you work out? Oh.
3: Um, Not fun? No, it's great. <laughs> I am large. I contain multitudes. There's, I can't just say, oh, you know, I throw on this band. Uh, I don't, it depends on really how I'm feeling. Um, at the time sometimes punk rock sometimes country music sometimes classical wow those are those are my three that I've been going to lately although I did um, just watch the uh, Biggie Smalls documentary on Netflix and so the last time I was on in the gym I listened to his album ready to die kind of straight through Not even like, I didn't even put it on shuffle. I hadn't listened to that in like close to 20 years, I think.
2: All right. So you're a real, you got a variety going. It's whatever your mood is.
3: Yeah. Sometimes I listen to books on tape. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Cool. Yeah.
2: All right. Great. Thanks. I
3: mean, I feel like I'm not giving this guy, Tim, everything he wanted out of this.
2: I think you got specific on the Biggie album. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it's not like you have a playlist you're going to You know,
3: honestly, I feel judged by
2: you, Paige. <laughs> I just thought you were going to be like, oh, I, I guess for me, yeah. I, see, I I always I liked, like like upbeat stuff. I was yeah, I was waiting for like. Something. I listen to
3: Led Zeppelin yeah. four on repeat and it right. pumps me up, and Megadeth. Yeah, I don't do that. No. I don't know. You know, I will say that um, if 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 I go into the gym. And I have nothing else, like some magical day where Brandy is busy, I have no things to do for children, and I have no other appointments for the whole day, which is very rare, I will really take my time. And in taking my time, I might put on some philosophy audio book and just listen to that and, and... you know, go really slow with everything and take nice recovery breaks and all of this, if I go in and have the sense that I need to get in and out in an hour, which is more often than not, I will put on music. And if I feel like the music is not um, helping me move quickly, I will find something a little bit more up-tempo. That's what I do. God, I don't know what you
2: want me to say here, Paige. I really love everything you said. Thank you.
3: She's totally judging you I'm guys. Not <laughs> Tim, thank you for your question. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on the Q and A, please submit it to americanglutton.net. dot net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian.